best takes and sharpest insights. You're listening to Camelo's Corner with Chris Camelo, your voice in the world of sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Camelo's Corner. I am your host, Chris Camelo. Got a very special guest today. Uh, my good friend and esteemed colleague, longtime NBA reporter, currently with Bleacher Report, Mr. Eric Pincus. Eric, thank you so much for joining me today, man. You bet. Happy to do it. Absolutely. First, first things first, Eric. How are you doing throughout this whole pandemic and everything that's gone on through? I mean, just everything the the last four yeah. or five months. It's been it's been quite a, a lot. yeah. It's been quite a whirlwind. How are you holding up, you and the family? Uh, not too bad. I mean. A little sick of being home, <clears throat> doing the same thing, you know, every day. Uh, would like some more variety. It is what it is. You know, the, the family's doing all right. Everyone, for the most part, is healthy and surviving it. But, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. I'm looking forward to basketball coming back. Definitely. I think we could all use that right now. Uh, just to kind of get our minds off of uh, just COVID, all of, the, all of the social injustice, just to kind of reshift our focus a little bit. I definitely feel you on that. And that was going to be my next question. So you're not, I take it you're not going to be going down to Orlando to be part of the bubble? Uh, no, I mean, no plans to maybe for the finals, but that's way down the road. And even then, I'm not sure. I, I, I know that there are some great reporters covering in person, and that's great. Where I'm at with, I have three kids, and mm. I, I I don't know if that's ideal for me to, to go into that bubble situation, but uh, it sounds like a lot of fun mixed in with, like, also kind of crazy, you know, being in a bubble for three months sounds pretty intense, but, um, <laughs> uh, it, you know, I'll, 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 be, I'll be put to better work here at, at home, I think, than I would be in a bubble, so skipping out, unfortunately. Well, no, I, I hear you, and, and I'll be here as well. So, I mean, uh, it's hey, we could still we could still produce content. That's the uh, that's that's the great thing about this. So, I wanted to um, ask you, based on everything you've heard so far, are players feeling safe inside the bubble? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, it's, an, it's an adjustment because it's a different environment. It's a new way of of living that is not really natural, but nothing that we're doing right now is really natural. That's true. Uh, there was a lot of concern leading up to it, uh, that the plan was going to work, that it made sense, that they felt like they had some level of freedom. Uh, but they, they collectively as a union, they agreed to this and, uh, we've seen a lot of players aren't there, uh, because they tested positive so far. Uh, I think Michael Beasley came into the bubble Mm -hmm. with, uh, the virus and one other player, uh, but they'd never made it past their own quarantine. So they never made it to the general population. So right now everything's groovy. No one has had an issue so far, right? Uh, there's no virus in the bubble that we know of. Right. Uh, but a lot could go wrong. So there's a certain amount of trepidation. Uh, for some, I think for half the teams, it's really not a long experience, right. maybe a month mm-hmm. uh, for if there's 22 teams, six are gone pretty quick. Uh, and then after that first round, we cut down to eight pretty quickly. So uh, within a couple months, it'll be down to very few teams. So hopefully we'll get there. Uh, it's still very, I, I, I'm sort of on pins and needles hoping that we get there. Uh, the games start on the 22nd. So we're right right about there. Mm. Uh, you know, scrimmage games, but right. I mean, I'm, I'm hungry for it. 
Oh, I, I'm right there with you, man. I believe Thursday the Lakers take on the uh, the Dallas Mavericks in, in their scrimmage game, uh, the 23rd. So if my math is correct, I believe that's Thursday. Um, let me ask you this. So going shifting to the Lakers, they recently added, they added before the shutdown, Deion Waiters. They picked him up off the buyout market. Uh, they also recently added J.R. Smith after Avery Bradley had decided to opt out. And, of course, we all know Rajon Rondo will be gone for the next six to eight weeks with another fractured hand, fractured wrist. It seems like it's the same story, different day for Rajon Rondo. I don't know what's going on with those hands and that wrist, but they just seem to break very easily. What are you expecting from both Deion Waiters and J.R. Swish? Um, I don't know what, if I have outrageous expectations, uh, but... Um, there are pieces that could help Lakers. If you look at uh, typical playoff rotations, you're not going to get much past nine, ten players at best. Right. And a lot of times you even go to eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, every team's different in how they run, and, and the Lakers being a little bit older and, and uh, kind of depth they have, even if you say a nine- or ten-man rotation, uh, those minutes are going to go to LeBron and AD and Danny Green and uh, KCP. KCP, and Caruso, and yeah, probably Kyle Kuzma. And mm-hmm. As you start going down the list, you've got Dwight Howard and JaVale who need their minutes at center. You got Markeith Morris in there. Right. The list grows so quickly mm-hmm. that uh, there's just not a lot of opportunity. Um, obviously, losing uh, Bradley opened up the door for KCP to start, mm-hmm. uh, and he played really well in that position during the, the regular season. And you know, the point, the starting point guard is really LeBron, right? Point forward uh, offensively. Yeah. Uh, so the Lakers aren't losing that much there. Uh, they do lose with Avery, but it's not necessarily crippling. Uh, but they don't have a lot of ball handling, and I think that's the, the biggest problem. Uh, the biggest deficiency on the team is that uh, the only player you really trust with the ball is LeBron mm-hmm. and, and, to a degree, Rondo. Uh, Rondo has other flaws, right? Like he's a poor shooter, and because he's a poor shooter – uh, is less effective when he doesn't have the ball in his hand and when you're playing with LeBron, uh, you, you want LeBron to have the ball versus Rondo. But at the same time, if teams are put pressure in full court and really trying to slow down the Lakers' attack, uh, Rondo helps solve that. Uh, now you're relying on, on Alex Crusoe to be able to bring the ball up successfully under pressure from Patrick Beverly, 80, 90 feet. That may or may not be productive for the Lakers, and we'll see. And I think Rondo will probably be back by the conference finals, at okay. least that's my opinion, right. based on the timeline of what they said, six to eight weeks. So if he's back by then, you would figure the Lakers wouldn't face Patrick Beverly and the Clippers until then, uh, and they'd have Rondo back, so that issue would be solved. So really it's about getting through scrimmage games, which don't matter. That's the next few games. Mm-hmm. Then there's the seeding games, right. which are... Really, for the Lakers, as long as they win a couple of games, they'll be fine. They're yeah. going to keep their number one seed. Mm-hmm. It's they would have to go zero and eight. The other team, you know, they're, they're going to. The games aren't that important when it comes to winning and losing. Right. It's more about getting guys back in shape and, yeah. and rebuilding the team's rhythm. Uh, and so then, you know, it becomes the first round. Can you get past the first round and probably the second round without Rondo? Uh, and that's where, on paper, in theory, Deion Waiters has ball handling skills. It's, they're not. He's not a point guard, but mm. he has played point in his career mm. uh, in stretches. He's a combo guard. Uh, so there's that at least that window of an opportunity. He hasn't been a really good basketball player in the NBA for two, three years. 
but he's very talented. And in theory, he could help that way. Uh, J.R. Smith, you wouldn't trust him dribbling the ball just like you wouldn't trust Danny Green dribbling. You barely trust KCP more right. so than the others. You really didn't trust Avery that much. I mean, Avery was better than the, the list, but he he's not a point guard either. No, these are off guards. Certainly than, yeah, certainly better than the rest of the, of the names we listed. Right? Uh-huh. So there's that opportunity. I think as far as Jr. You know, he's got that irrational confidence, which is what we love about him. And he's a great shooter while guarded. And I think that's important. Um, again, he hasn't been that productive for the last few years. Maybe that's because he was stuck in Cleveland when they were bad uh, and they didn't need him. And so maybe he'll come back and and be the same guy he's always been, which is a really good floor spreader so that uh, you, you don't need a lot of space with J.R. Smith because he'll hit the shot while he's open. But if the guy closes out on him, He's still going to hit that shot at a high rate. He, mm-hmm. He's like Nick Young, and one of those, one of those rare guys who's just as good, if not better, while guarding. Yeah, which is kind of counter what the logic of basketball is. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that's that's why um, you know, the game is such a, a great game, and and why you need that. You know, you need those magic type players that do the opposite of what makes sense to win a playoff series. And maybe Jr. would be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think the other aspect, Eric, about Smith and Waiters, what's interesting is you said it. These guys, well, Smith has been out of the league almost two years now. Dion Waiters uh, has not been a consistent player for the last two to three years. That Miami stint was not very good outside of that, maybe that first year. So these guys have a lot to prove. They're hungry. They're trying to extend their NBA careers, especially Smith. This could be his last opportunity to really show that he could be a quality NBA player. So I think from that aspect... They, they become positives because now they're not only trying to help the team win, but they're going to be extra motivated and really keep their attitudes, egos, whatever the issue is, in check in order to help the team win and to show the rest of the league, like, hey, I could still do this. If you, if you guys want to sign me, this is what you're going to be getting. Another aspect, too, where I, I think national analysts, not, not yourself, but others, are overrating Rondo. When you look at the Lakers' offensive efficiency, they're in the top, 10, top 5 in the league when LeBron's on the court. You take LeBron off the court, and let's say Rondo is now running that second unit, the Lakers' offensive efficiency drops to the bottom third of the league. So I'm saying, how much worse can it get with Waiters and Smith coming up off the bench, along with Caruso, Kuzma, Markeith Morris, etc., running that second unit with LeBron James on the bench? I I beg to differ that Waiters and Smith are going to provide more of an offensive spark and actually maybe... Keep the seat warm until LeBron James comes uh, c- comes back into the game. Well, yes, and I hear what you're saying, and I think it's the, the deficiencies of what Rondo doesn't do well are clear, and their offense isn't as good. Their defense isn't as good. They're not as good in a lot of ways without Rondo. I agree. They're better without him in a lot of ways. Yeah. But there are going to be times, and if you're in a playoff series, yes. which is where it matters, uh, and teams see a weakness mm. and without without LeBron on the floor, the Lakers simply can't get the playmaking that they can't get the ball up the court into their offense instead of you know, they're they're getting the ball across the court with sixteen on the clock or, or you know, they're just getting barely over the line and then uh, they're not getting into any sort of sets and they're just moving the ball around and they're trying to get A D a look, but teams are putting enough pressure on him with more than one player and they're leaving people open enough that, but you know, sharp defense, sharp defensive rotations where the ball isn't moving, or they're just. I could see a, a picture where the Lakers just don't have an offense 
because they don't have a point guard to drive that offense. Now, Alex Crusoe could absolutely solve that. Uh, I love what he's done this year. I love yeah. what he did last year. And I think there are things that he does well, but he's still a, a young player. He, you know, he does look, he looks a little bit older. Uh, <laughs> and no playoff like, experience. But he, he doesn't have playoff experience in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe he just jumps right in and, and kills it right away. And, and I, I root for all people to have, you know, in the NBA to have success across all teams. I want to see people when they have that opportunity to, to step into <clears> that <throat> void. And so he has that opportunity. So uh, there's also Quinn Cook, who yeah. he's not as impressive a ball handler as I'd hoped he would be. I thought that he would be able to do more. Uh, but he, really, he he's more of a uh, a ball handler uh, when there's not intense pressure. Uh, and he's more of a weak side guard or, a, you know, like a catch and shoot guard or someone who can create off of action where there's some space to work with. So some pick and roll. Yeah. Here he could play really well off of LeBron mm-hmm. uh, as a creator when LeBron's on one side of the court, the ball swings over to the other side. Cook might be able to help, but as far as running the show without LeBron, uh, with him on the bench. And in the playoffs, you figure that LeBron will probably play 40 to 42 minutes. Oh, okay. That's my opinion. Yeah. You could say, fine, maybe you know, maybe they're, if the Lakers are blowing out a team, it won't be that high. Yeah. If it's an easy series for them. But in a really tough series, uh, if he's, what, sitting for eight minutes, that's probably 10 mats, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, three minutes to five minutes a half. Right, you just got to get him a little breather. Yeah. What about those two, three, four minutes? To, however many it is in the fourth quarter, you, you don't want to play him the entire fourth. You want to sit him for at least a couple minutes in the fourth, especially in a physical playoff series. And you know the way that games work in the playoffs, there's a lot of timeouts. There's commercials tend to be longer. We'll mm-hmm. see how that goes in, in the bubble if things change like that. Yeah. Uh, but if, assuming it's normal, there's longer timeouts. There's not the traveling back and forth. Uh, which I think is huge for yeah. someone like LeBron. Uh, they should be able to space out the games properly. Uh, they'll probably be every other day in the playoffs. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's there's a lot, if you're a Laker fan, to look forward to and to be optimistic about even without Rondo. Yeah. I see some weaknesses, and every team has weaknesses. Sure. The other teams will have to deal with their own weaknesses that the Lakers are going to explore. Mm-hmm. But there are weaknesses without Rondo that aren't going to be easily fixed. Uh, and then there are times where having Rondo on the court when he is available is a, is a detriment. So I would like, if I'm a coach, have the Rondo option, but to be able to not use him when, it, when he's not effective. And they don't have that. And I don't know if J.R. Smith or Waiters, or Waiters mm-hmm. can solve that. I don't know if Caruso is ready for that. I think he has that potential. Uh, I haven't been imp- impressed with that aspect of Cook's game, uh, and I don't know who else there is. If I'd left someone out, I, def- I definitely don't want KCP playing actual point guard. You know, right? You know, it's just not his skill set. He's, he's skilled at a lot of other things, but not particularly that. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good point that you bring up, and I even uh, mentioned this on another podcast. If the Lakers feel like they want to keep KCP off the bench and have that sense of continuity with him and Caruso coming up off together, mixed in with J.R. Smith and Waiters, I would have even suggested starting Quinn Cook at the point guard position, not have him play starter minutes, a la Eva Ivica Zubak, who starts for the Clippers but doesn't play starters minutes. You don't see him finishing games, and you could have had that situation with Cook. So that was 
just a suggestion. Probably not going to happen. It sounds like Frank Vogel has his heart set on KCP starting at that other guard position with Danny Green along with McGee, AD, and LeBron. So we'll see what happens there. Another X fact. Oh, did you want to say comment on that? Well, I would Eric? say that yeah. the track record is is that they did do KCP previously and had great success. So yeah, that's true. I mean, you, they're thirteen and one without Bradley. So you know, yeah, something that works it, at least historically it worked. It worked when Avery was out. That's right. Uh, it worked with KCP. So yeah. why, I mean, it would be more like uh, certainly consider Cook if it's not working. Uh, yeah, I got right? you. you that, that's, if, I, if I'm a coach, that's how I would approach it. You, you have other options. You know, I, I'll throw out one other wild card. Is they do have the rookie, Taylor Horton Tucker. I don't think he's ready. Oh, he's, any he's stretch nice. of imagination. Yeah. But you almost look at like all these players like they're no longer first-year players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and out of all of them, he may actually be the best ball handler that they have. That's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's not the, the guys we listed, or certainly not Rondo. Uh, I don't think he's ready, but it would be interesting if, if that's the wild card. There's always something that surprises you. I don't sure. think it's going to be Taylor Horton, but it would be a pretty funny story <laughs> if, it, if it was. He would have to kill it. He would have to kill it in, uh, in, in these exhibition games and these eight regular season games to even get a rotation spot, let alone a starting spot. Joined here by Eric Pincus on, on Camelo's Corner, a longtime NBA journalist uh, currently right now with Basketball Insiders and Bleacher Report. Uh, speaking of X-Factors, does Kyle Kuzma remain a major X factor for the Lakers? Well, in, in theory, on paper, he could be the reason why they're unstoppable. Mm. Uh, there are games where Kuzma, when he, when he's in his bag, you know, like when he's when he's killing it, that he, I mean, he could light it up. He mm-hmm. can go for twenty, thirty in an instant. Yeah, uh, he's a very talented scorer. Uh, and when he's put in the right position, or rather, when he's put in the right position, rather, um, he, he's an adequate, if not even, he can be a good defender in Agreed. the right situation. In mm-hmm. some other situations, you put him in a bad a situation that's not favorable for him, uh, he's a bad defender. Uh, in theory, if he is doing his game, and AD is doing his, and LeBron is doing his, and they're all producing at a very high rate, that's a lot of points to... To, to match there's less a lot of scoring and, and you fill that in with the the Danny Greens and the whatnot where they're even if they're getting 10 nine nine points eight points 12 points it adds up where you have to score a lot of points on the Lakers and they play good enough defense they're they're a good defensive team mm-hmm. that is hard to generate enough points against the Lakers if Kuzma is also contributing like that but you know, what we've seen is is his biggest weakness, there are two, uh, and they're related, is, is outside shooting. Uh, he had a good rookie year, I think it was around 36%, or uh, one, I think it was, I think it was his rookie year. I think last year it dropped, and this year it's dropped, so it's closer to where he was in, in college. In Utah, he was like a 30%, 31% in that range, three-point shooter, mm-hmm. which is bad for the NBA. Uh, you want to be in the neighborhood of, at a minimum, 34, right? 34 to 37, I want to say, right. is well, is average. That's where you want to be at, though. If you're a 37, you're a good three-point shooter. <laughs> if you're above that, you're a very good. Like, if you're at 40%, you're JJ and Redick, then you have, yeah. like, your Stephs, or you have guys who are, like, at 50%. Right. <laughs> um, but realistically, like, if you're 
33, you're your 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 three point shots are on par with a, a two point shot, as far as percentages, um, and he's not even there. He's below like the bare minimum. Yeah. So uh, and and going hand in hand with that is the consistency, right? Because there are times where he can light it up, and then there are times where he could just break everything that that he throws. And so, uh, if he can show that consistency, I will say that um, before the the shutdown, you know, the Lakers have gotten Marquise Morris out of. Uh, off of the buyout market as well. Mm-hmm. And what that did is that enabled the Lakers to play um, Kuzma at the 2-3 mm-hmm. instead of at the 3-4. Right. And even if you go back to Luke Walton days, he played some five. Uh, they played Kuzma at 4-5 with a little three mm-hmm. back then. Now he's more of a 2-3, a, uh, a wing player, and there's no real distinction between the two and the three. Uh, and so... Uh, that suits what Kuzma is because he's not big and strong and physical as a player. He's not long enough to really bother bigger, stronger players. And that's a, potentially a negative when you're talking about Kawhi Leonard. Like he may not be the guy to guard Kawhi because, you know, there's only one Kawhi and, and it, that'll be a tag team if and when the Lakers and the Lakers play. Uh, but outside of that, Kuzma's probably better suited because he is mobile and he does have good length against guards yeah. uh, to be a wing defender. I agree. So you put him in that position, he's able to be a better player. Uh, and then on the uh, offensive end, again, he's able to take care of He has different – the matchups are different. He's not going up against bigger players. He has more flexibility. Uh, so the combination of, of the bigs with JaVale and Dwight, with Markeith Morris, and if Dwight's not having a great game, you can play Markeith at center – and slide Kuzma up to four. There's there's a lot of potential there. You can keep him at two, three, four. There's enough potential that um, you know Markeith. I don't think he's in the bubble yet, so no. I'm assuming you guess there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and his brother both. I don't believe are. Yeah, I, I want to say they're dealing with a family issue, quote unquote. That we haven't gotten much specifics on that. Um, so uh, I mean, uh, you know, the NBA can't uh, just put out that someone has the virus. I don't know if they do or don't. No, idea. no, no. The, yeah, uh, but I do know that they, the NBA is not going to announce that a player has the virus. Right. So at some point, people will notice that they're not there because they can't be in the bubble if they have a virus. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't join the team. Probably eight out of ten times, it's going to be because they have the virus. Mm-hmm. The other two would be a personal matter, which is certainly uh, a possibility. So, right. Uh, it, you know, I, I have no idea. Uh, but if he has the virus, hopefully, uh, he. He, both he and his brother, get through it quickly and successfully. And if there's a family matter, hopefully that will resolve as well. Uh, as well. Uh, so, uh, but if you have that combination of the, the two bigs with Markeith as the third big is needed, mm-hmm. and you're playing him at power forward behind AD, those that that's the Lakers are stocked at four or five. Not to mention that LeBron plays the four right. is needed in Kuzma, the three with Kuzma and LeBron and Danny Green, and then all you know. The, Lakers are quite formidable, and Kuzma lighting it up makes them more so. Again, we still have that one issue where the biggest weakness is the ball handling. Mm -hmm. And if Kuzma can shoot a high percentage, that solves some of the shooting woes where the Lakers have been at times a good three-point shooting team and at times an adequate one, not Mm -hmm. a great one. Mm -hmm. Uh, If Kuzma can get from 30% to 36, I mean, that's where he shot his rookie. It's possible. It is. Uh, it is, yeah. I'll, I'll throw out that 
he came, he, he, he suffered an injury with Team USA yeah. in the summer. Uh, and it, he came into camp where he wasn't, he hadn't been playing. He was behind. And he, he had a series of injuries. Mm-hmm. Some of them, mostly like fluke kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like not chronic type things where he's like got a bad back. It was just like random stuff. He got hurt. Uh, and when you're in the NBA and you get hurt, it is very difficult to uh, stay at with, both sharp with conditioning and sharp with your skills. So if, you know, if, if there was a, a green, a, a silver lining for a player that might help in a way, it would be Kuzma. He's young. Uh, he probably, I would imagine, comes in out of all the players, I think he has the biggest chance to make that leap because he'll be healthy where he wasn't healthy most of the season and he's young. So he should be able to get his conditioning back more quickly than some of the older guys. It's a very good point. And also, too, I thought he had started to, uh, when his offensive game wasn't rolling, he actually developed a nice niche crashing the boards, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, and creating those second opportunities. He's a good cutter. Uh, so he brings other intangibles to the table, and I do like his defense against the guards. I thought that was a very good point. A couple more for you, Eric. Uh, is Frank Vogel recently came out saying that he thinks LeBron James absolutely deserves to win MVP. Anthony Davis absolutely deserves to win Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, obviously, there is some bias because Frank Vogel coaches both of them. Uh, in your opinion, are LeBron and AD the front runners in those respective awards? Uh, I would say it's between Giannis and LeBron. Uh, at, at this, I would, you know, if I, if I had to vote, I'd probably go LeBron. Maybe that's because of proximity. <laughs> uh, I'm close to the situation. I've seen uh, the impact, uh, the turnaround that the Lakers have had, and I know last year didn't work out, uh, but LeBron was hurt last year. Uh, leading up to the shutdown, the Lakers were within two games of the Bucks. They just beat the Bucks and the Clippers. Yeah, convincingly. Uh, yeah, Giannis is amazing, uh, and I wouldn't fault anyone for voting for him. Uh, I just think you could argue. Uh, you, I, my argument would be for for LeBron uh, for for the impact he has, and as great as Anthony Davis is, the Lakers just aren't anywhere close with. Um, Without LeBron, uh, defensive player of the year. I mean, I see it up close. What AD is doing. Uh, I think Rudy Gobert is usually the front runner, uh, and the Jazz have been not nearly as good as, as they'd hoped. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could argue it. I wouldn't. Again, I don't think anyone's going to be crazy upset if Rudy Gobert got it. Giannis might be able to get it uh, because he is so dominant. Uh, that's a possibility. I don't quite know who else I would put in the mix. Uh, I don't think Kawhi and Paul George... They haven't played enough. I don't think they are... The Clippers haven't been great defensively, uh, as great as they thought uh, they would be. Uh, To me, I don't... Outside of maybe Giannis and Gobert, I don't see anyone close to AD. I I would vote AD if given the choice. I think seeing firsthand how good he is, um, his impact on the team is actually more so on the defensive end than it is on the offensive end. He's also an amazing scorer and very talented player uh, offensively. But uh, he's he's really, really powerful defensively. 
I remember that game against Denver, and he was basically playing like on a bad ankle, and he shut down Nikola Jokic in that fourth quarter. I mean, what he is able to do, and I'll even say the All-Star game, when he shut down Joel Embiid, I mean, Embiid is a big dude. That is an imposing force. He's trying to back down Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is not the most imposing physical presence, but he can hold his own defensively as a primary defender, as a secondary defender, as a pick-and-roll defender, coming out, switching out onto guards and wings. He's incredible. And LeBron, 35 years old, 17 years in. I don't think I've ever seen anyone, maybe outside Michael Jordan, impact the game on a night-in, night-out basis at that age. And Jordan didn't have the years of wear and tear as LeBron did. LeBron has played all 17 years, no breaks, consistently in the finals. That's a lot of miles on those knees and ankles. And he continues year in and year out to show his dominance. And what he did, Eric, that weekend in March before the shutdown, showing Giannis and Kawhi like, hey, you guys may be the next NBA's big thing, but I'm still LeBron James. I'm still the king. And if you have to go through me, it's going to be a problem for both of you. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, LeBron is uh, an incredible player. And he, there's debate as to where he is on the all-time list. Uh, and there's a certain amount of recency bias where we're going to sure. talk about him as the greatest of all time because this is what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. But his resume already... If he stopped playing and never played another game, already puts him in that conversation. No doubt. His numbers, career numbers, stand with the greatest of all, of all time. Where he is on that list is, is up for debate. Of course. Uh, he obviously doesn't have as many titles as uh, other players, mm-hmm. but he's been to the finals probably more than everyone else. So you fla- fla- fault him for not having uh, the supporting casts uh, and that he carried teams that weren't as good that she- that first team that got to the finals, oh. Cleveland. That, I mean, that was not a good. That was not a very good basketball. Team. When your second best player is Danielle Marshall, you know you got some issues. I mean, they <laughs> they had some good players, Eddie Elgowskis and whatever. But you know, like <laughs> like that that was not a great. You know, what was it uh, Mo Williams and Bobby Gibson? Uh, but uh, it, it's it's easy to disc. You know, I know people who don't like LeBron because. You know, not everyone likes that we, we have rivals. Anybody who is rooted against the Heat because uh, uh, they, they beat their favorite team or the, the Cavs or just didn't like how LeBron handled himself or that he's a Laker. You know, that same kind of antipathy was there towards Kobe when Kobe played. Sure. Uh, and I don't think Tim Duncan ever inspired that kind of negative reaction because he was so understated as a person. Uh, but Shaq and look down the list of those great, great players, there's always a, a backlash and a negativity. Um, but when you step back and you look and you see, wow, look how great Duncan was, look how great Shaq was, look how great Kobe was in history, where you know you look back at everybody who's ever played this game, they're there in that conversation. LeBron's already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's already done enough to, to have that debate. Now what he needs to do if he really wants to climb that list is to win more titles because right. that's the one area they'll never be able to change the win percentage, right? No, you can't. But that's that's a credit to him in a lot of ways for taking teams that shouldn't have been there, there. and how great the Warriors were you know, because of right. craziness that happened in 2016. Uh, but uh, if he wins here, a third team that he gets a championship with, uh, and if he can continue to win, uh, 
uh, we could start talking about LeBron as as the greatest of all time. I, I have him a, a notch below the absolute top, but he's in that top list. Yeah, just not number one. Uh, but he's getting there, and, and uh, a win this year would do a lot towards pushing him higher on the list. I agree. You know, Eric, for a long time I was saying, hey, Larry Bird deserves to be on that list. And, you know, Larry Bird is the greatest small forward that ever was because of his physical limitations. But what LeBron does it for me, and you mentioned it, eight straight finals. I mean, nobody, not even the Celtics of the 50s and 60s, can really say that they were doing that. So eight straight finals in today's NBA with the amount of competition and, and how much uh, film work is done and how many how much more scouting and advanced analytics are, are there, and you're still finding a way year in and year out to not only push through, but to stay healthy enough to push through. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. So I think that's, for me, where LeBron James earns my respect and why he's on my top five all time. Eric, I got one more question for you. Candace Parker, I was recently on a Zoom call covering the LA Sparks, and she said that this year's champion, and I think she, I, I want to say she, she said this in a whole encompassing spectrum, deserves an exclamation point, not an asterisk. Do you believe that as well, that this year's champion should deserve even more credit than they would had it been a normal season, just considering the circumstances? I mean, absolutely. When you look at a record book, uh, there'll be an asterisk to mark that a season was not normal. So, um, for instance, uh, the 99 Spurs, mm -hmm. they won when there was only a 50 game season and Phil Jackson at the time, you know, said that they should get an asterisk for that because the year is going to have an asterisk. Uh, but then Tim Duncan and the group, they won multiple titles. So if there was any question to its validity, veracity, they earned that. Uh, so I don't look at that as a negative, but it was not a normal year. And like the Knicks went to the finals that year and they were not an all time great team. Uh, <clears throat> but in the case of this year, uh, yeah, there'll be an asterisk because it's different. That's all it, that's all it indicates, but it's not in any way in my mind, a negative because, uh, what players are having to go through to get through this year, uh, stay in shape, stay mentally mm -hmm. sharp during a very trying time for everybody. It's not any different whether you have maybe more money or whatever. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all impacted by this in a very significant way. Uh, there's a lot of political and social upheaval going on in the world. Definitely. A lot of it related to uh, African-American uh, people in this country. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of athletes, of course, in the NBA are black. So, uh, to be able to push through this time, both socially, politically, and dealing with the, you know, the actual physical concern of the virus and players actually coming down with it and trying to come back from it, it's significant. And then to go into a bubble situation where you're leaving your home for what will be three months, four months almost, for uh, those who get to the finals and win it all, yeah. uh, playing in this uncertain circumstance with uh, you know, all these protocols and tests right your certain amount of your privacy and, and you know lifestyle you're giving up willingly you don't have to do this mm -hmm. uh, and for a team to come together and push through this it's absolutely uh, hey I don't know I guess I'll you know I'll, I'll use Candace's exclamation point this is definitely a unique situation and whoever comes through and survives this will have earned it uh, with extra extra 
uh, extra sauce, so to speak. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, what the Spurs did back then in a 50-game season, it, it was not the same level no. uh, as a normal season. Right. You know? And again, they, they earned that. They, they've showed it was not a one-hit wonder, so I don't take anything away from them. Same with the Heat. By the, sorry to interrupt. Same with the Heat of 2012. They 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 yeah. went to the finals two more times after that. Right. I mean, LeBron, Wade, their champions, Bosch, they won beyond that. Um, so it's not like that was uh, you know even you know like there are great teams like the Pistons with Chauncey Billups and other mm. teams that only won one year, and I have great respect for them. Mm. You might have a little bit less if it was just they won one time in that kind of year. So I, I have great respect for whoever wins this season, uh, to all the players for going through what they are going through, and, and uh, you know it's a tough time. And, and no doubt, you know it's it's you know diamonds aren't forged from you know lightly compressing a little bit of coal. It takes <laughs> a lot of effort, a lot of force, tremendous force to create a diamond from yeah, coal. Great so. Point. Um, this is where we're at. Uh, hopefully, uh, th- there's a happy ending to this, where the season successfully gets to that conclusion. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to go to games next season. I don't think it'll be on open. I don't know when opening day will be. Maybe Christmas could be later. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully, the the society will resume in some way in a healthy way sooner than later. Because uh, as much as I love being home, and <laughs> I've been very productive and I've been surprisingly busy. Uh, I would like to go out and just hang out with some friends, see some family outside of Zoom, and you know, see you, Chris, over at, at Staples Center in the or somewhere, you know, at yeah. the game or anywhere. For sure, of just a video screen. I <laughs> know, I, I, Eric. The feeling is reciprocal. You know me; I'm a chatty guy. I like to be friendly with everyone. So for me, this has been this has definitely been a difficult time, and uh, I'm doing the best I can. I know you are as well, and it's great spending time with family and doing this. Thank thank goodness for technology that we're able to uh, do a podcast like this and have you have you on via Zoom. It's been it's been great, and there's so much going on. The COVID, the 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 bubble. The social up, uh, you know, the, the social injustices that the players want to continue to bring awareness to. There's a lot more than just resuming the season here. There's a lot more. So I agree with Candace. I do believe there will be an exclamation point at the end of this, as opposed to an asterisk. At least in our opinion, it should. So we'll definitely see what happens. Yeah. So Eric, thank you so much. You were more than generous with your time today. Please tell my listeners how how they could follow you, man. Of course, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Eric Pincus. It's E R I C. P-I-N-C-U-S. I put all my articles there. Uh, of course, I write for Bleacher Report and Basketball Insiders. Uh, I also have a podcast called Hollywood Hoops. You can follow us on Twitter, Hollywood underscore Hoops. And uh, every so often I do NBA TV, although during the shutdown, uh, I haven't been flying to Atlanta. <laughs> so it's uh, that hasn't happened for some time. Hopefully we'll get back to real life one of these days. Uh, but no, I appreciate you having me on this. Always enjoy it. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it, man. Stay safe. Good luck to you. And we got to do this again real soon. Absolutely. Great stuff. Have a good one. All right, you too. That was a great Eric Pincus joining me today on Camelo's Corner. A lot of great stuff there. The Lakers, I think, are still in a prime position, to be quite honest. Yes, there's there's some concerns with uh, who's going to fill in that other guard spot. KCP, if you recall 
took over at that other guard spot when Avery Bradley went down with the hairline fracture. They were 13-1 and without, without Avery Bradley. So, yeah, it's a significant loss considering how well Bradley was playing before the shutdown. He had gotten into a good rhythm. He was shooting the ball better. Obviously, we know what he could do defensively and Considering you're going to be potentially going up against the guards of the likes of Russell Westbrook, assuming he gets back healthy, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Lou Williams, and Patrick Beverly for the Clippers. I mean, you, you want to have all your, I, I mean, you you want to have all your ducks in a row. I get that, but it's not the end of the world. Just like it's in my opinion, it's not the end of the world with Rondo. I love the fact that Rondo is a big game player. I love the fact he's a champion. I love the fact that he plays to win, and I love the fact that we could write a list of how many iconic playoff performances that, it, that he's had. But at the same point in time, I think you have enough depth that could fill that void left behind by both Rondo and Bradley. And I think with Waiters and Smith, yeah, they may not be the ideal solutions, but I tell you, these guys will not clam up when, when the going gets tough. I tell you that. When the stage is, is, is set, and they are going to be called upon. Their number is going to get called to go out there and try to produce something. They're going to go out there and produce. Smith brings it with his three-point shooting, his defense. I still think he's got some, some juice left in the tank where he's able to you know, dribble drive and get to the hoop and maybe even get to the free throw line. Waiters plays with a lot of confidence. He once called himself Kobe Wade uh, when, when he was playing out of Syracuse. So yeah, his career hasn't you know, uh, really been to that top tier level, but he's also a guy that brings some playoff experience to the table. That 2016 Thunder team that blew a 3-1 series lead uh, at the hands of the Golden State Warriors, he was backing up Russell Westbrook. So he's also played uh, a, 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 on a big stage. He's he's played in high intensity situations, and yeah, his uh, exit from Miami where he was basically trying to force himself out. Yeah, that was ugly. No question about it. And a lot of people are going to question his character and his attitude. And is he all about winning? Is he all about you know getting a championship? I think, in all fairness, I think he is. I just think it was a bad situation. Now he comes into a situation where I think it's more hat in hand. I think he is trying to obviously audition for every other team because he's trying to extend his NBA career. But also, he knows he's not going to get away with the same amount of crap with uh, the, this Laker organization as he did in Miami. And if he does, he knows that could be it for his career. So I think expect good behavior from, from these guys. And also, too, I just think they're hungry. I think at the end of the day, they're hungry to really show what they can do. And whether that's going to be in you know 10-minute spans, 15-minute spans, 25-minute spans, whatever the case may be, whatever their role is, there could be nights where both of them see DNPs, CD, next to their name. You know, did not play, coach's decision. So I think they're prepared for all of that, and they understand this this situation, and they're going to be they're going to be ready to go. So we shall see what happens. As far as Kuzma goes, I haven't really talked about Kyle Kuzma much. Jared Dudley said that you know that's our third option. Enough said. That's all we need to know. Kyle Kuzma said like he's ready for anything being thrown at him. He feels healthy for the first time uh, all season long. So definitely he, him and Anthony Davis, I think, as well as LeBron James. I, I mean, really anybody who was dealing with any nagging injuries and wear and tear, they definitely benefited from this time off. But now it's time to try to get yourself, ramp it up, and get yourself back into that rhythm. And I think Kuz... He was starting to bring other elements to the table besides scoring. And I think that needs to continue because if your shots are falling, great. But if your shots are not falling, you've got to find different ways to impact the game, whether it be rebounding, offensive rebounding, some playmaking, getting the free throw line, uh, cutting hard to the basket, um, you know, playing good defense against uh, opposing guards. All of that is going to be 
very useful. So the Lakers, I, I think, are expecting a lot from Kyle Kuzma. But once again, if they aren't getting good production, they know they could plug in Markeith Morris or J.R. Smith or somebody else to to fill those voids. So we shall see what, what it's going to be with, uh, with Kyle Kuzma. But I definitely think he's going to be a pivotal, integral option, much like Lamar Odom was for the Lakers. Anytime Lamar Odom played well, guess what? The Lakers normally won, or at least were in a position to win. When Lamar Odom didn't play well, chances are the Lakers were going to lose that game. So I think Kyle Kuzma is kind of putting himself into that category. Now, granted, he doesn't have the same amount of versatility or, or overall talent as Lamar did, but he's still a damn good player, in my opinion. So uh, we shall see how everything is going to play out and what specifically his role is going to be. So uh, I, I want to see Kuz go out there in his first ever playoff run and see how productive he, he shall be. And if he is good enough to allow the Lakers to win a game because of him. That's going, to be, that's going to be the point to watch right there. All right. Dodgers. Oh, man, they, they looked rusty on, on Sunday night, didn't they? <laughs> oh, man, they ran, they ran the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks out of Chavez Ravine without any fans. By the way, I like the cardboard cutouts. That's pretty cute. The, uh, the crowd noise being pumped in. I actually didn't – I wasn't a big fan of that, but to be honest – it actually made it sound a little normal because a lot of times you don't always see the full spectrum of fans, right? So you just assume that they're there. So I, I, I got to imagine it's weird for the players, but for us watching on TV, it actually wasn't too bad. Um, they looked really good, the Dodgers. Uh, Cody Bellinger hit a grand salami in the first inning, which, by the way, there was a mercy rule. So the mercy rule, in case you guys don't know, if a pitcher throws 25 pitches, that's it. That's the max for, for an inning. Then you got to take them out and, this, and the team switch sides. That's the automatic end to an inning. That's what we saw uh, on Sunday night. So after a couple of walks by the Arizona uh, pitcher, I think it was uh, Tyler Weidgren or something like that, uh, <laughs> Bellinger just unloaded on him and sent one into deep right, and the Dodgers never looked back from there. Mitchell White, I thought, uh, pitched a really good game, gave up an early home run to Cattell Marte, I believe. But after that, he settled in. I want to say he retired 15 in a row after that home run. Uh, five innings pitched, one hit, that was the home run, and two strikeouts. Didn't walk anybody, so solid performance from a longtime Dodger prospect. And for all this talk we've gotten about Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May, I think he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. And I was always asking, like, what's going on with Mitchell White? You know, I've, I've heard about this guy for a long time and what he can do. And yesterday... On Sunday, excuse me, he, he pitched pretty well against a, a really good lineup. I mean, this Arizona team, they got a lot of they got a lot of talent between Peralta, Calhoun, you got the two Martes in there now, uh, Christian Walker, Carson Kelly, really good hitting catcher uh, behind the plate. So they're they're gonna be a team I think that's gonna be competitive this year. And if Madison Bumgarner can get something going for them as far as their pitching staff goes. I, I think they're going to be they're going to be a tough a tough out. I'm not saying that they're going to overtake the Dodgers for for the division. I still believe it's the Dodgers division to lose, but certainly I could imagine them being in, at least in the wild card race. So them and San Diego, we shall see what what happens. I think Colorado and and San Francisco that's going to be kind of down years for them, just considering uh, how bad their pitching staffs are. Colorado's had some off the field stuff. I know Nolan Arenado is pretty upset about his situation. Charlie Blackman is recovering from COVID. Uh, so we'll see. And, and Ian Desmond has opted out because of, uh, because of his family. So uh, I don't know what to expect from there. But I think Arizona and San Diego are going to be the two teams that give the Dodgers the most trouble. And even then, 
uh, considering their lack of experience, their lack of depth, I, I don't. I, I think they still hit a ceiling for what they can do this year. But once again, we've all said it: sixty games, anything could happen. If you were watching the Chicago White Sox the last couple of days, that's another team in in a, in a sort of a weak division where there's not a really an odds-on favorite. I know a lot of people still believe Cleveland could be in there. Minnesota, uh, they got a lot of power, not a, a ton of pitching. But you look at Chicago, they've got a loaded lineup, a lot of good young talent, decent pitching staff. You know, we'll see what Dallas Keuchel has left in the tank. Can Lucas Giolito get something going? But I'm just saying, these are the types of, of teams, these mid-level teams that in 162 games, you probably wouldn't bet on. You'd probably say, mm, yeah, maybe a wild card team, but that's it. But in, in a 60-game condensed format with not a lot of room for error, and for some of these teams, not a lot of pressure on them, as, as much as there is on the Houstons, ugh, <laughs> excuse me on that, the Houstons, the LAs, the New Yorks, etc., Atlanta as well, um, there's definitely a sense of, hey, if we can catch lightning in a bottle, if we can get hot for a month or two, we could find ourselves challenging for the division, not just a wild card spot, for, but for the actual division, so... Um, we shall see what, what, what happens there. It's going to be fun to watch, and I'm just so glad baseball is back. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are going to forget how difficult it was, but the fact that they were able to strike a deal, I think, was tremendous. At the end of the day, it's, it, it's not going to be the same. Of course, no fans, you know, players and, and, and coaches and umpires wearing masks, uh, no spitting. Uh, I, I mean, and the chances, the fact that they're not going to be in a bubble, the chances that some players actually can contract COVID, I mean, the, the rates are going to stay high. And now we don't even know what the Toronto Blue Jays situation is going to be. They, they've been told that they can't play any home games at Rogers Center this year. And I don't think that's so much about Toronto as much as it is we don't want different players from different teams coming in and out of our country right now. I mean, yes, they have the NHL bubble there, but it's, it's confined and they have protocols for that. Like, we're going to have everybody there. We're going to do all of this testing, much like they're doing in Orlando with the WNBA, the NBA, and the MLS. But with baseball, and now we don't even really know what, what football situation is, they're not doing this bubble. So it's really going to be up to the players to be policing themselves. Uh, I still don't know what the testing protocol is going to be for baseball. Is it going to be every couple of days? Uh, and, and how is that going to work? So, because also you got to consider contract tracing because you don't want it, an outbreak to happen on a particular team. Where now, I mean, you're you're really down a competitive advantage, and now you're jeopardizing the health of everyone. So, this is really what's so interesting about this as well is you don't really know what the contingency plan is. Yes, you've got a pool of fifty players, which is great. And you got, you know, designated to be at an alternate site and basically wait your turn to be called, if you're called, and that's it. But what's going to happen if enough of these players are are down their star players? I mean, it, is, is there going to be a contingency factor? Because remember, there's still a business aspect. There's still the TV rights. There's the TV deal. And, I mean, uh, fans are not going to be tuning in to watch a bunch of minor league players take the field for the LA Dodgers. They're there to watch Betts and Bellinger and Seeger and Turner and Muncie, etc. So you wonder, will there get is there a point where the league, not just MLB, but the NBA and, and all these other pro sports leagues, reach a point where they say, okay, if enough of these players test positive, we gotta consider shutting it down. So 
that is the that is a factor here. And I still haven't heard a, a, a big contingency plan on it. I think the league is basically saying, hey, listen, this is what it is. We're going to try to do our best with testing. This is the, the protocols, the regulations. This is what you have to abide by. You all have to police yourselves as well. You all have to take your necessary precautions as well. It's not just going to be about you know, us uh, being the uh, uh, enforcers of all of these different rules. When it comes to traveling and hotels and buses and cl- different clubhouses, you're going to have to really watch yourselves on that. And hopefully, we won't see as many cases. But I got a feeling if any sport is going to get hit with infections and positive cases, it's going to be baseball. It's going to be baseball. And from there, you, I wouldn't be surprised if guys decide, hey, you know what, this just isn't worth it. I'm gonna, I, I got sick, I'm going to opt out, I'm going to go home, I'm going to get better, and I'll wait until there's a vaccine, and I'll wait until I feel more comfortable playing this game. So I got a feeling we could see aspects like that. So far, the people that have gotten sick um, have, I mean, we've seen some MLB players opt out, <clears throat> excuse me, but at the same point in time, you're not seeing as many uh, players who have actually gotten it, like Freddie Freeman, say, hey, you know what, I'm going to opt out. Freddie Freeman reported to Braves camp. So these guys are being courageous, they're being brave, and they're putting their bodies and their health and potentially the health of their families on the line. So it's going to be an interesting, very interesting season to watch. And you know, we're seeing in all these various states, Arizona, California, uh, Texas, Florida, you're seeing these cases continue to rise. So we've never really gotten out of this first wave. You know, we thought by summertime, hey, cases will drop. The weather, it's going to be warmer. The, you know, you know we, we consider this as the flu, so it's going to die out. Yeah, we got to worry about things come, come uh, fall time, September, October, November, when flu season starts to hit. But until that time, we should be fine. And that hasn't been the case. We continue to have more cases, more deaths, and... It seems like you can't really do any of these shutdowns. People are resistant to it. People are resistant to wearing masks and everything. A lot of people believe that these are conspiracy theories. There's all of this stuff. We're not together on on this. And it seems like uh, a lot of people believe that there it's much ado about nothing and uh, after november when after all of all of these elections that this is going to get swept under the rug and we won't hear about it and or a magical quote-unquote vaccine will come out so i mean there's all of these different factors that you're going up against and to put these athletes who are regular people by the way in the middle of this thing to try to finish a season or do a season or whatever it's a lot on their shoulders that they're putting at risk in the midst of this whole thing. So while everyone else may be quarantining, maybe staying in, maybe you're not, I don't know, that's on you. Um, Many believe that, hey, this is what it is. And if I get it, I get it, but I'm not going to stop living my life. So I'm not telling anyone how to live, but, but be safe doing it. That's all I'm saying. Just be safe doing it. So that's going to about do it for me. I don't know what what the NFL is going to do. More to come on that as more information comes out. I know the players and the coaches, some of them have spoken out via social media. Some interviews have gone on. There's no protocol. 
right now that the NFL has put together. They're, the owners are supposedly meeting, but this, once again, Roger Goodell not being proactive on things, being reactive. You had months to prepare. You knew what was going down. Yeah, you could sit back and watch, but you should have already been brainstorming with your team and with the owners about how what's the safest way and the healthiest way to put out a season. How are we going to do this? We obviously have to have daily testing. It's going to be almost impossible to do a bubble. But I didn't see any of that. And now the players are upset because it's like, okay, we're expected to come into camp, but what are the protocols? What are the distancing? What are the rules? We don't have any of that. And a lot of these guys may be up on contract years where they've got to think about not just their careers, but they also got to think about their own personal health, their own personal safety, the health and safety of their families, their teammates, all of that. And once again, the NFL, nowhere to be found. Not taking the bull by the horns like Adam Silver did. I don't even really want to say Rob Manfred because I think he did a horrible job doing, you know, uh, uh, not being that bridge between the owners and the players where they could come to an agreement faster. So, but I think Adam Silver, what they were able to do was great and it wasn't reactive, it was proactive. This is what we got to do, this is how we got to do it. And we'll, t- we'll have numerous discussions. You couldn't meet with the play- you have the owners and the players union reps talk? Come on, man. See, this it's this kind of crap that makes the people despise Roger Goodell, despise the NFL owners. I don't even want to get into what happened in Washington, but we've got to we we've got to do better just across the board in our society, in these leagues, in our government. We're we're not in we're we're in disarray. It feels like we're very disorganized. A lot of conflicting information. Everything is still about the bottom line. And while I understand money and making money and maximizing profits, there's something much bigger out here, and 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 a lot more to lose. And that should be the focus, not how much is this going to cost me and why am I going to do that? Because if that's the case, then you know what? No season. Fine. Doesn't cost you anything. Anyway, that's going to about do it for me on this edition of Camelo's Corner. Thanks to Eric Pincus for joining me today. Be sure to follow me at Chris underscore Camelo on Twitter. See Camelo one on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo. And make sure to download and subscribe to these podcasts now available on SoundCloud, iTunes. I'm on Spotify and Google Play as well. So anywhere you get your podcasts, be sure to, to download and subscribe to me. I also got a new logo. Be sure to tune in to, to that as well. That's, that's going to be pretty hot. So, um, yeah, I know. Little shameful, little shameless self, self-promotion. What could I do? But I'm happy with the new logo. So, yeah, hey, I'm, it's 2020. It's almost 2021 in the next five, six months. So I'm stepping it up over here. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in every single week. We'll talk to you guys soon. edition of Camelo's Corner, available on SoundCloud and Apple iTunes.